You are listening to the Hinge Work Podcast, a conversation on perspective, rest, and creativity from the overflow of our community. Yo, Ken Mass, welcome to the Hinge Work Podcast, season two, episode one. We are in Mark and Heather Buckwater's living room on an awesome Friday morning. The sun is out. The birds are chirping. Come on. Yeah, I think uh, what's been on Heather and I's hearts this year, I mean, we loved the format of the first season of the podcast and just sharing stories of entrepreneurs and creatives and their journeys. But we also felt like we want to bring this together in a little bit more of a concise package that hopefully can tie in in about 20 minutes, a portion of, of what we're walking through in life, what we're experiencing and really release perspective, release encouragement and some type of challenge um, to send you out into the week with. So we want to be doing these. Uh, our plan is to do these every week. The goal is that um, you would be encouraged, that you would have perspective for the things that you're battling. As you listen to this, I think one of the things that Heather shared, she was talking about when she we listened to um, certain people, like John Mark McMillan or um, Melissa Helser or Jonathan Helser. Sometimes it just feels like we're listening to an old friend um, share encouragement with us. That's really kind of what we're looking to bring to you guys. Um, along the way, we'll be speaking to ourselves. Um, and so you guys will probably even get a taste of some of that today in the first episode. But that's the vision for the podcast. Uh, you guys can feel free to give us feedback. Um, we love the first season. We love stories from entrepreneurs. And periodically, we may have longer sessions. But our desire is to keep it pretty concise and um, yeah, get you guys back into your days. So today we're hearing a pretty funny, awesome story from Heather. You recently ran a 5K with Hopi. Mm-hmm. So you got five kids. Hopi is the, in the order, the second youngest. Yeah. And uh, how old is she? She's 10. Okay. So she's 10. You're going on a 5K. Girls on the run. So a couple of weeks back, I ran um, with Hope on Girls on the Run. I had run with her in the fall. But I hadn't um, really ran since then. I had ran cross country in high school, but I, since becoming a mom, I really have, I'm not a runner. Um, and the whole point of being a running buddy is just to run with your girl, encourage her, um, just be a support to her. Um, but I was a little bit apprehensive as the day came because I hadn't trained at all and um, was just kind of feeling like, uh, how's this going to go? Um, it was a beautiful day. When, um, a few weeks back in May, and it was we ran the streets of Lancaster City. Um, but the whole time, even though it was beautiful and we're running and it's like there's a lot of excitement, I was just feeling heavy because my mind was just like with each step was like, oh, I feel like tired and out of shape and old. And <laughs> this is where my mind's going. And we're only like a few steps into the race and Hope's like, oh, this is hard. My legs hurt. And I was like... <laughs> Yeah, me too. Like, <laughs> so I was like, this is going to be like a really, really long race. And yeah. the whole time I'm just comparing myself and I'm trying to remind myself, this is not about me. This is about encouraging hope and running with hope. But um, literally middle-aged, like heavy set men are passing me. <laughs> and I'm like, this is ridiculous, Heather. Like, this is not about you. This is not about your athletic ability, but it still felt like it was a battle in my mind to like, just stay positive and not go to this heavy place. The last lap of the race is on a track. Um, and so earlier in the run, I had seen this father 
pushing like a 10 year old girl of similar age to hope in a stroller. Um, looked like she had some kind of physical limitation that didn't enable her to run. So he was pushing her in a stroller. Um, and so I had made note of that for some reason, just had seen him. When I'm getting to the last lap on the track, I see this father and this daughter. Um, and where I'm at at this point is just feeling like I am failing. Like this race is like, I'm just, yeah. Um, just kind of in a mental battle. Um, and I come around the corner and see this father and this daughter. And now she's out of her stroller and she is walking the last lap of the track. Um, she has crutches and she's just with each step, her father's cheering her on and encouraging her. And his face is just full of like pride and joy. And her face is just beaming. She's just with each step, even though she's limping slowly towards the finish line, her face is just full of joy. And I just immediately like start bawling, just lose it. I'm running with tears pouring down my face because I was like, here I am, like just feeling like I'm failing. And this girl who can hardly walk is like full of joy as she's just, yeah, doing, doing her best. And like the father is cheering her on, applauding her. So, um, for her. And I, I immediately felt like it was a sh dramatic perspective shift. And I felt like the presence of God when I was running and just felt like it changed. Um, it changed my perspective mm -hmm. on kind of like what I felt like success was and realized like kind of the voices I was listening to were like voices of shame and discouragement rather than seeing things from maybe God's perspective. Yeah. It reminds me, I was in a meeting yesterday with a client that I do, do um, some coaching work with and we were talking about life and what's happening. And he was explaining to me, uh, he was kind of in a battle whether he really wanted to go to this wedding that he had been invited to. And as we kind of dug around a little bit, I was really encouraging him to go because I was like, man, weddings are a powerful time. It just seems like there's so often really cool connections at weddings, even um, even if you don't know a lot of people, it just feels like it's a place where God shows up. And then he began to open up about why he didn't want to go. And it was in regard to a lot of people who he had at one time led were going to be at this wedding and they were doing great in their lives. But he said, I guess I kind of, I pretty much feel like I have failed them because I set a goal a couple of years ago to meet with them more often. And I haven't been able to do that. And my own battle and my journey with my faith has left me feeling like I'm not actually equipped to uh, be who I'm supposed to be in their lives. And as soon as he started talking, I just got tears in my eyes and he, he went on and finished his comment. And I just said, look, man, I don't know. I just feel like a pretty strong reaction when you said you failed these people, because I don't think that's the way God sees this at all. Like in the meantime, you've become a husband, you've become a father, you've become a business owner of multiple businesses. And these are the places where your time needs to be first and foremost. And these people have been doing great without you. And yeah, you've been in a battle, but if anything, that qualifies you to help them along the way. I don't think there's, there is not one drop of this scenario that God is looking at as failure. And it's really important for you to like, just stop, stop with that approach. Like 
what's waiting for you at this wedding is awesome encounters with these people. Maybe some of them have encouragement for you, but I think actually a lot of what's been going on inside of you will be encouragement uh, for them. These people love you. No one's, no one has seen this scenario as a failure, which I think is, is really similar to, mm-hmm. you know, what Heather, Heather was there with her daughter running a race. She was succeeding in every way. There yeah. was no, uh, no failure in it at all. Yeah. Yeah. Which, I mean, I um, was thinking about kind of what stuck out to me um, is also like that whole, I know it's like a lot of people, it's a kind of a trendy phrase right now, stay in your lane. Um, but I was thinking literally like we were in track lanes um, around, but like if I stay in my lane and only I'm looking at like comparing myself to what myself versus like what other people are doing. Uh, yeah, it was a success. And like this girl was just staying in her, like the girl with the father was staying in her lane and like was just looking at the father's face as she was walking. She wasn't comparing herself to anyone else. I think that's what stuck to me. She was just like full of joy for her. That was like, she was doing what she was supposed to do. And she, her, she was just focused on her father's face, cheering her on. And um, yeah, I felt like that was what kind of wrecked me too. Um, just, Yeah the reality of just staying in your lane and how comparison is like the thief of joy and steals the joy and felt like I was like the whole race, the joy of just being in a beautiful day running through the city was like kind of taken from me because I was just focused on all the ways I was failing. The way you thought you were failing. The way I thought was failing. And Jonathan David Helser says this quote, the voice you listen to is the one you belong to. Yeah, the voices that we like allow ourselves to listen to really do kind of define how we view ourselves and how we view success or how we view. Yeah. It's actually really funny because I was just meeting with a friend this morning and I said that the same kind of question to him was like, what voice are you listening to? Like, mm-hmm. or I said, like, I want, you know, I want God's voice to be the loudest voice in my life. And often mm-hmm. I'm giving my brain space and my heart space over to these other voices that are saying, all these things and, and usually I'm taking pressures on myself or yeah. putting them on myself yeah. or placing other people's expectations on myself mm-hmm. or having way too high expectations that I'm putting on myself and I'm like slave driving myself. Mm-hmm. But yeah, if I, like you said, if I just focus on God's face and God's heart, like that dramatically impacts um, the journey mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. so it mm-hmm. probably feels a lot more freeing mm-hmm. to just you know stay stay your course you know and keep your eyes on mm-hmm. the father yeah yeah and i think if i if i put myself in the position of that father even watching nope and heather i was nothing but proud of them that day i didn't have any illusions of them uh finishing in the top 10 uh because that wasn't the point of this race, the point of this race was for them to just do it together and for Hopi to get another 5k under her belt and for them to have fun. But when I think about this father, you know, there was a process where they were like, no, we're going to go for this. We're going to go for it and we'll get, we'll do the stroller. I'll push you. But like in her going like that, I want to finish the race on my own. And, you know, as a dad, like doing it and going for it and then getting to that point and not knowing how it was going to go and just seeing her just like going for it and this smile on her face of just like just being 
confident in who she is and not looking around at someone who can run faster, jump higher, saying, dad, I wish that was me, but her being at rest with who she was and bringing her best to the table and letting that be enough. Like as dad, I mean, that's just, that's what you want to see uh, from your kids. And on the flip side, like if she had just stopped and thrown a fit and said, these guys are all faster than me. I quit. Like that would be kind of heartbreaking as a dad. Like, you know, the one thing to do is like, don't quit. Just don't quit. Just trust me. Keep leaning in, keep leaning in. And that ironically is something that I have felt the father just filling the pages of my journal with recently um, is this phrase of just trust and don't quit. And um, it, yeah, it comes from a story from Moses and Silas from seven years ago. I was painting, I was agitated. Um, <laughs> I, I, Cause I had already told Heather, we, we rented houses for like 11 years and um, we were in one of those rentals and we had done enough work to houses that weren't ours in my opinion that I was kind of done painting and then moving. And um, it was right before Eden was born. Heather kind of talked me into it and I was like, yeah, I'm going to be a good dad and a good husband. I'm going to do all this painting. And I was not really in a good headspace as I was about halfway through. And Moses came running upstairs. He went, dad, dad, we beat the last level. We beat the last level on this video game they were playing. And I was just like, kind of like trying to at least force half a smile or just not be angry. And I really felt like I was supposed to ask them what was the, what was the key? And so I was like, all right, what was the key, buddy? I mean, Moses was uh, eight at the time, I think. Um, and uh, I said, what was the key? And he's like, he just thought for a minute and he looked up at me and goes, just trust and don't quit. And then he just turned around and bounced back down the stairs, left me shaking my head with the pain fresh in my hand, like trust and don't quit. Like that's literally what he just said to me. Um, and so obviously, uh, the secret to that game was probably more important for me than for Moses in that moment. And so I feel like that's been something that I've been coming back to recently. Um, you know, when I think about that little girl, she was, that's where she was living at. She was trusting her daddy and she wasn't going to quit. And it filled her with great joy. So Heather, um, obviously I love the story. I love that there's some humor in it too with all the middle-aged men passing you. To clarify, I was not one of them. Well, I was in the crowd that day. Leave it open to interpretation. Wow. Um, had I been one of those middle-aged, out-of-shape men who was running, I would not have been able to pass them. Yes. <laughs> let's, let's just be clear about that. Same. Uh, but yeah, what were some things that from that experience that you know kind of were on your heart to ask yourself and ask others just some questions that you've been stewing on. Yeah. I think the main thing um, was like, what does success look like? I think so often I'm quick to like judge what success is and mm -hmm. like felt like in the eyes of the father asking him, like, what does success look like in this season of life for me? The other thing was, what are the voices I'm listening to? Like, am I listening to voices of shame and doubt and fear or am I listening to the father's voice? What are the voices I'm listening to? And Jonathan David Helser has this quote, the voice you listen to is the voice you belong to. So I feel like, yeah, just the daughter looking at the father's face and just like, she was just focused on his cheers and his voice cheering her on. And it didn't feel like anything else really mattered to her as she just like was running that last lap. Mm -hmm. 
Also, the last thing was just kind of like the idea of staying in your lane. Yeah. And I think the idea of staying in your lane to me really speaks about comparison. And like, it's so easy to get sidetracked with how many more photo shoots someone else is doing or, or how many more houses someone else is designing or who's making films or shooting this wedding or doing that instead of just recognizing it's really not your job to be so concerned about that. Like this little girl, she flat out wasn't. She mm-hmm. had her eyes on her daddy mm-hmm. and just on finishing the race yeah. that, that she had to be on. Thanks for listening to the Hingework Podcast. Hingework is a creative co-working space in the heart of downtown Lancaster. Find out more at hingework.com.